2: Go behind the scenes and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra
2: cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada
1: you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider
2: metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada
0: stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide
3: hey sarah i love that spring break vlog you posted on zigazoo omg you watched it yeah it was so cool
0: This episode of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is brought to you by Alienware. During
1: Dell Tech Fest, score game changing innovations with limited time deals on select next gen Alienware gaming tech.
2: New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor, featuring awe inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three dimensional audio with
0: Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your
1: dream setup with great deals on select gaming
2: From
0: UFOs to ghosts and government
2: cover ups, history is riddled with unexplained
0: events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know.
1: Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel.
2: And I am Ben. Most importantly, you are you, or at least we hope. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, gentlemen, today we are looking at something controversial.
1: To say the least, yes, this is something, uh, that has vehement reactions on either side. And what we are going to try and do is tell you about it, explain the sides, And give you a little historical background on maybe some, maybe some context about why people would believe something like this.
2: And because so many of our best suggestions come from our listeners, uh, we went to Twitter before recording this, just a little bit before recording it, as we sometimes do, and asked, asked you, or you if you follow us on Twitter, uh, what, what we should address what what are some points we should address and we've got a few no Matt, if you guys are cool with it, i'll read a few of them by all means mm-hmm. all right so uh stewart lucky asks us uh where in particular do people supposedly recruit or hire crisis actors or is it just done internally we uh, will get to that mm-hmm. and then let's see uh propaganda do ask us how is it uh, pretty much, I'm paraphrasing prop do, but you say that a conspiracy powerful enough to stage all these events and hide the truth can't afford new actors. Uh, Colby says, what about the Photoshop abilities to age, youngify people in image used in conjunction with crisis actors? Are the videos of dummies being staged or positioned at Sandy Hook? Uh The Boston bombing video. Uh, and people want to know about Tim Osman. Uh, one distraught woman who shows up in multiple cases, uh, and then we also have, uh, let's see. Colby K has a bunch of these, um, says that one woman died in two of them and that the media used the same image, slightly cropped and screwed. People really want to hear about Sandy Hook and the father in that. Uh, the last one that's not, not related and you'll enjoy this one is, uh, Lethal uh Feeder's music says uh no but could you please have Noel turn up his microphone he's on the quieter side sometimes and hard to hear Hashtag #constructive What? Yeah.
0: I've never heard that before in my life. People are always telling me to pipe down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can do that. Well, That's on me. Well pipe up. That's on no it's on me production wise because I mean it's my job to fiddle the knobs and obviously maybe I'm just um, you know insecure and I want to be quieter but I'm going to work on that guys.
2: But you have such a great voice. Well thank you Ben. I look forward to hearing more of it. Yes, so these are some of the questions that you've asked us. We can't answer all of these, but we're going to address some of them. And one of the one of the first places for us to start would be that uh the times they are changing or they appear to, right? There are disasters. It seems like you cannot turn on the news without hearing about a mass shooting, a terrorist attack. The other thing, I'm sorry, is going for a list.
1: Well, you know, there are increasing environmental disasters that are occurring now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean,
0: just there are bad things
1: on that, that TV or your Reddit feed, perhaps. And the lovely
0: 24-hour news cycle gives us these just like loops of these things when they happen. And You know, for example, the, uh, the shooting at the Planned Parenthood the other week or several weeks ago, I just felt like as the story was developing, you just turn on the TV and it's just like this loop of like non-information, you know, they're just trying to fill time. So, Mm -hmm.
1: well, yeah, there was the San Bernardino shooting recently, even after that. And, you know, did you guys see the whole thing where news crews went into the apartment? They went into the apartment to my stomach. It was one of the strangest things I've ever seen.
2: Yeah. And clearly the producer, who was present at the scene was uncomfortable with the, what the journalist was attempting to do, which was, uh, divulging private information based, you know, people's license mm-hmm, it, information mm-hmm. and pictures of children and, and such and was ridiculed on the Daily Show for it. Right? Now, now so, it seems
0: like that one could be an episode into itself because I've already been seeing things about how, you know, supposedly they had not cleared the scene and, you know, some, someone had to have, uh, given, signed off to allow those journalists to come in there. You know, if it was still an active crime scene, there would have been tape up. They would have not have been able to get in the way they had. So, well, you anyway, know, the, the story
1: that. CNN told, I, I don't mean to go too long on this. Let me know if I am. But the story CNN told was that the the FBI had already gone in and taken all the evidence out that they needed, that they thought was pertinent, mm-hmm. and then control of the apartment was officially under the, the person who owned the apartment complex. Just seemed like it happened really,
0: really fast, is almost
1: like- Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It all just came at you, and then...
0: You know, on the news, you get analysis on essentially nothing. That's what I mean. That's that's what I, why I brought this whole thing up. It's just mm-hmm. they just it, it just ends up uh, being these this minutia, like with the Planned Parenthood shooting, where the guy was still at large and there was really nothing to report. They just kind of get like these random experts to talk about the psychology of you know a, an active shooter situation, mm-hmm. which I suppose can be useful information, but it just at the end of the day feels like they're just filling out time and padding you know their airtime, and it's just not particularly uh, encouraging.
2: Right, and how much of it is in the in the wake of a tragic event? How much of that news is manufactured? You know, how much of it is, a, is an echo chamber? When we talk about manufactured news, we get to one of the big things that is tied up inherently in the crisis actor conspiracy theory, which is a false flag attack.
1: So, if you listen to this show or you watch our videos, you know that we talk about false flags uh, quite a lot. It's a topic that comes up very heavily in our sphere here. And uh, let's just go over it. A, a false flag is essentially an attack that occurs when there's one group. Let's say Group A uh, is going to carry out an attack, but they don't want anyone to know that they are, in fact, Group A. So they either disguise themselves, dress up in a way that Group B would dress up or fly the flag of Group B. Uh, this was an old tactic in naval warfare, wasn't it Ben?
2: Yes, uh, the term comes from naval warfare, wherein one ship would fly a false flag, a flag that was not their own. So for the sake of argument, hypothetically, let's say that the UK and Spain are both on the eastern coast of what would later become the United States and a Spanish, a Spanish ship, uh, decides that they are going to attack a ship from UK. So what they do is instead of sailing up to them, keep in mind these are sailing ships, you know, mm-hmm. the, and the, they will see each other coming. Yes, so and it takes
1: they, a while to get there.
2: Right. So what they do instead is they raise the British flag. When they raise that flag, then the other ship, the ship they're attempting to, uh, to, to rob says, Oh, great. Oh. Wonderful. Jolly good. Jolly good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, jolly good. It's a, fellow British.
0: Apologies to our UK listeners. Yeah. We
2: apologize. Yeah. Main, mainly on my behalf. And then once within firing range or attack range, boom, British flag down, Spanish flag uh, up, or, uh, this could be a pirate, a pirate practice, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this has also happened numerous times in more modern ages, especially in the, maritime field but not just in the water right
0: oh i was just gonna say too that term false flag it's funny to me it it harkens back to a time where there were rules there were standards you know you had to you flew your flag in the battlefield so that you knew who your enemy was and obviously warfare has let's say devolved into something much less sportsmanlike than that (laughs) leave it there anyway
1: you're absolutely right Noel about how warfare has changed and, and adapted and evolved over the years and there that I may mean, that's another podcast we can talk about how warfare has adapted for sure that's mm-hmm. interesting uh, and the future of it but Ben uh, on to your point yes naval warfare isn't the only place where false flags have occurred there have there are numerous examples one of them occurred when Japan wanted to invade Manchuria Oh
2: yeah 1931 uh, so, to protect their interest uh Japan occupied uh Manchuria because of a bombing in a railway it 's called the Mukden incident uh, however uh uh, uh here 's what happened though Japan planted the bomb what yeah, and Japan blew up the uh the railway or or tried to they didn't they didn't do the best job but Because of that, they said, oh, we have to protect the South Manchuria Railway, which was Japanese-owned. So, boom, we have to be there. So these
0: are political maneuvers, essentially.
2: Yeah, yes, spot on. Uh, And other stuff happens with German forces uh, invading Poland through a series of false flags known as Operation Himmler. And this comes, you can read some more about this in a fantastic article by Skeptoid which I don't always agree with but does it does a good job. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's just one of those things that false flags seem to be a way to get around uh, an official channel of getting something done, right? It's it's this weird it's this weird way of I don't understand it. It's like shooting your own foot Almost a lot of times mm. so that you can get the doctor that you really need to come in that didn't want to come in or something. You I know, think that's, that's a pretty good example. That's I mean, pretty it's pretty weird. It's a strange, strange thing.
2: Well, it's, yeah, it's an, it's an act of deceit or espionage carried to an extreme and at times brutal degree. We know that false flag attacks are real. Uh, we have a bunch of, uh, possible or debatable false flag attacks. For instance, the Gulf of Tonkin is mm-hmm. often called one of those. But the thing is that real proven false flag attacks are vastly outnumbered by alleged false flag attacks. Right. And we can see that there, there's still a debate about that, but there are also, there's also this um disturbing habit where people can say, well, I don't believe the official story. Therefore, this is a false flag attack. This is one of the big pieces of the crisis actor theory, which brings us to the question of the day, right? What is a crisis actor? So a crisis actor
0: is basically a person who is paid to role play or perform the part of a victim um, or an antagonist or civilian or any other bystander in war games or disaster drills. So this, I mean, specifically, I guess, would refer to you know, a staged event that is understood to be staged. Is that Mm. correct? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just making sure I'm on the right page here. Um, So crisis actors are in fact real. I mean, this is a definite thing in the, you know, scenarios that we're describing here. You can find different uh, contractors and private companies, not just in the states, but in other countries uh, that use actors to make these disaster drills and scenarios somehow more real. So for example, like an active shooter drill in an office building, you got companies that come in and train workers how to uh, respond to an active shooter scenario. This company might outsource. These crisis actors to come in, either play the part of the shooter, be a plant, someone that works in the building to kind of change things up, go for the wrong exit, give you examples to, you know, uh, ignore like obstacles almost to uh, go mm-hmm. the other way um, in order to kind of like exercise what you've been taught.
2: And it doesn't necessarily, I love that you use that example because it does not necessarily need to be a military thing. It could be a private industry. That's a really great point. I've got a short story for you Oh,
1: you yeah, have a short story? Can I just give people yeah, yeah. a place that they can go really fast if sure. you want to see a company that does specialize in this? Is it And the it's UK a legit one? company. Yes, yeah, the UK one. Yeah. I, I, this is one of the best examples that I could find. It's called crisiscast.com. Mm-hmm. It says on their website, quote, our specially trained professional role play actors and internationally credited film crews bring realistic, informed crisis management and disaster incidents to life. And then they go on to talk about all the different things that they can do with stunts, uh, medical simulations, using film techniques to bring the best of theater and film to our live immersive simulations.
2: They also have a pretty interesting emphasis on social media. They and do damage control in that way, which makes me think about. Is that like sock puppets? Is that what that is? I'm, I think it exactly verges on that. It okay. also verges on information or narrative management, probably. Right. Mm-hmm. When do you like, oh, Egypt is going up in flames. When do you black out the Twitter
0: Oh, jeez. or even when like an unpopular person uh, does like an ask me anything on Reddit and you <laughs> see like people asking them really yeah. softball questions that mm-hmm. have like newly created accounts and stuff, mm-hmm. maybe something along those lines. It,
2: it very well could be. We haven't taken the course. I wonder what their prices are. Should we sign up for that?
0: Yes. I'm thinking it's going to be steep.
2: Eh, we'll find out, right? We'll get a free trial. Maybe there's a, yeah, maybe the first 10 minutes are free, and then we just leave. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, So I have a, yeah, I have a story that kind of ties into this, because I first found out about crisis actors, actual crisis actors, in another life. And I don't talk too much about my personal life on this show, so I'm not going to start now, other than to say that I worked at a place that would handle various reports of disasters from around the world, primarily in the Western Hemisphere. And some of these calls would come from a place called Fort Polk in Louisiana. And these people would call because they were injured at work. And it often was something minor. And they couldn't say too much about what they were doing. It wasn't really the gist of our conversation but what i learned is that there were civilians who were hired to role play in these things happening at the um the joint readiness operation or something like that at Fort Polk.
1: Wait, so were you not informed uh, that it was happening in advance? like it, you were just supposed to
2: yeah. take the call as you normally would? The phone would ring and you would answer it and they would say, "Hi, I'm uh I'm calling from this whatever the contractor is Um got to report this injury and then i'd say oh all right well let's go on and so the the thing that really started wow. to shed some light in it was how how did you injure yourself and you could tell that there was certain language they had to use when describing it right there was already a talking point but they did would involve little things that made me made, made me stop for say one person said oh well i was leaving the village I'm thinking weird you huh and i thought wow louisiana is on a whole nother level, man.
0: They got villages. Yeah, yeah they got parishes. Why not have villages? Why you know? Not? It
2: yeah. made see, no, you get it. It made sense at the time.
1: Just to throw in one more example here really fast. Uh did you guys ever in your high school do a thing called ghost out? Have you ever heard of this term? No, but I'm intrigued. No. Nope. You may have done you may have experienced something similar, but not ghost out. Was it so, like field day? It's kind of like field day, but it's the most macabre version of it that you can imagine. So in an attempt to prevent teenagers who are just getting their cars from drinking and driving or driving recklessly uh in Forsyth County, where I went to high school, they did this thing called ghost out where they would bring a wrecked vehicle onto a field and they would have the actors at the school pretend that or sometimes they were actors. Sometimes they were like really popular kids. Pretend like they had died or gotten into this massive car accident. They'd get in the car that's already crushed up a little bit Mm -hmm. and have blood on them. And, you know, some of them would be dead. Some of them would be barely alive. All of the local police and first responders would show up and basically uh, use the jaws of life, get the kids out of the car. They would perform CPR on some of them. On others, they would put a body bag, put them into a body bag. And then there would be a mock funeral And all this other stuff, I just thought it was a really weird, it was my first version of a crisis acting kind of thing because I was an actor back in those days and I took part in one of them and it was very, very strange to have a helicopter landing on your school, something that, you know, you don't see every day and it it gives you that tension that something real is occurring. I just want to know if you guys had ever experienced anything like that.
0: The closest thing that I have experienced to that was, I remember when I was younger, a lot of area churches would do these... Um,
2: tribulation Tribulation. Trail. Oh, like, dude.
0: Like, like Like, church haunted houses, and they would have things like wrecked cars outside with, like, ghostly teenagers dead and, you know, on drugs or whatever, and the devil was a big part of it, and, like, mm-hmm. he would always... It would be these scenarios that were presented to you, and at the end, the devil would pop out and... You know, it would be a whole thing. Um, is that what you're, you're talking about, Ben? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just, that
2: Essentially was... the uh, religious version of a haunted house. Exactly. Yeah, but it was more of a sit-down thing. Well, now
1: elementary schools are going through drills for active shooters. I mean, this is a, a commonplace thing. Uh, my wife was a school psychologist before she quit to, for the baby stuff, and they would every once in a while they would have a drill where the
0: police are there and everybody's like huddled in a room and locked down and everything. It's an industry. I mean, another show that I work on that um, is, hasn't, hasn't come out yet. It's a new thing. We, uh, we speak to a couple of folks who are former firefighters and police officers who now uh, run a company that trains office workers in how to react to active shooter scenarios. And they were talking about how there was one time, uh, years ago, where they had heard about one of these active shooter scenarios being done in a retirement home without telling anybody that it was happening. And not only did it result in a lot of traumatized elderly folks, um, there were quite a few lawsuits that arose from it. I can imagine. So I would imagine that uh, it would be something you definitely have to prep elementary schools for.
4: Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Annabay.
3: Gee, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented.
5: Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated.
2: Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada.
1: That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises.
2: Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then... You found yourself subscribed?
0: Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll
1: never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider
2: metro has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most
0: stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide
3: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper
2: This poor, unfortunate residents of the retirement community, uh, there's one crucial, important thing. Matt, you knew they weren't really dead. Absolutely. No, you knew it really wasn't Satan, right? Yes. Okay. But uh what if there was another level to this? What if there's another level to what we call, I hope you hear the finger quotes here, folks, crisis acting. So what if there... Are actors or agents hired not to enhance a training experience or uh, what's what's that phrase? A teaching moment, a teachable mm-hmm. moment, a yes. teachable moment Love it. But what if instead they're hired to deceive entire populations? That is that is the theory. The, the idea of when you hear people talk about crisis actors on the internet, they're most likely not referring to the scenarios we're just talking about that are proven to exist.
0: Well, and that is almost a hybrid of what we're describing in terms of um, organizations hiring these actors to you know create these teachable moments that you're talking about and those false flag attacks. So it's almost like using actors to manipulate public opinion. Um, yeah, you're in, in, teaching in the, the public. Yeah, well. <laughs> Debatably. Well, I
1: mean, in theory, you're teaching the public a, a way to feel if this is true, or teaching the public a way to, uh, view a certain topic. It certainly frames
0: the discussion, let's put it like right. that. Right,
2: yeah, narrative management. Uh, here's the gist, ladies and gentlemen, that certain forces, typically thought to be governments, a coalition of governments, or a, a cabal of New World Order types, pick pick your favorite, mm-hmm. uh, are staging faked tragedies as a means of swaying the population to support more extensive control over the and the common man or woman. So one of the things that you may hear a lot, that the three of us have heard a lot, is the idea that mass shootings are some sort of staged event meant to justify the abolishment of gun rights. Now, I know, and uh, Matt, I really appreciate you putting that disclaimer there at the beginning here. We know this is a controversial thing, and we know that people have actually died. Those are irrefutable. However, uh, to say that we shouldn't, to say that we shouldn't look at this concept or this idea, uh, defeats the purpose of this show. Absolutely. So we're doing it, we're doing it in a respectful way. We know that this can be a traumatic topic for people, but this is the gist of the story. You might hear other examples too, like uh, promoting a culture of fear that will make the population more amenable to, to widespread surveillance, right? Absolutely. Most
0: of these theories have several layers of nuance mm-hmm. depending on who's talking about them and supporting yeah. them. You can hear different variations of these on InfoWars and mm-hmm. uh, Professor James Tracy of Florida Pacific University is one of the leading advocates of the concept. Yeah, um, this guy crops
1: up all over the place when you look up crisis actors. Right. The theories. Uh, he was, I think he was the first source that I found, I think from 2013, uh huh, um, during the Sandy Hook shooting where he was discussing well, these people are actors are not discussing it. He was just he was saying, alleging, yeah, and alleging, alleging these people are actors,
2: and these, yeah, and the proof here is where the debate hinges, right? So mm-hmm. folks who believe in this crisis actor conspiracy idea will show side by side photographic photographs. I said photographic evidence, but this it's like a photograph, right? Yeah. I'm just I'm using too many words
1: at this point, it's just pixels,
2: yeah, sure, It's true. It's like the old Mitch Hedberg joke, like every photo of you is a photo of you when you were younger. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, but the, the point being that they show, uh, pictures of different tragedies and people from different tragedies and say, ah, this is the same person.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times they'll try and do, I, I guess amateur versions of uh, looking at the nose and then drawing shapes on the nose and mm-hmm. then comparing it with the other shapes and, I, I mean, it's, it's people in Photoshop that are attempting to yeah. see, in my opinion, a lot of times what they want to see.
2: I see. No, I've got, I've got a point for that one too, but we'll go back to the, uh, some of the other proof or stuff offered as mm-hmm. proof will be. Um, errors in early reporting or when the story changes. That happens a lot. Which, Because yeah. of this news cycle that I was talking about.
0: I mean, it makes right. sense, just like logistically. People are trying to rush to be the first one to report the facts of mm-hmm. one of these crises because people eat it up. It is super huge for ratings. I mean, people are glued to their TV sets when these things happen. And so there is this, like... Total breakneck, you know, race to be the first one to report the story. And in that process, things get lost in the shuffle all the time.
2: And it is also true to be absolutely fair. It is also true that news stories can get uh, can get suppressed. It's mm-hmm. happened. You know, uh, it's like the old uh, Have you've heard of the Friday night news dump, you know, or the Friday afternoon news dump. Yes. So this is what. OK, if ever you have news that you have to announce but you don't want to get uh, a lot of attention on it, not a lot of eyes. What you do is you wait till Friday afternoon when no one gives a flying Farfik Nugent (laughs) about what you might be discussing.
0: Sort of like the, those handful of months in the year when uh, Hollywood studios release movies that they know are going to be dogs and they don't screen them for critics mm. and they just kind of want to just shove them out there and then basically sweep them under the rug and pretend like they never
2: happened. What do they call those? The dump months. <laughs> I just wanted to hear you. Say. God, yeah. Uh, and, uh, so that's, that's another kind of proof that's offered that the news might get something wrong, which as we see is debatable. Absolutely. A third notion would be that the people who see an interview, for instance, are not themselves persuaded that the person is real. Implication being that not only is this a crisis actor, but it's also a bad actor. And based on this interview, I, the one bringing the truth, am able to, because I, the one bringing the truth, am an amazing judge of character, and I can tell you that's not how people react. Probably due to a personal experience in my life or an anecdote with which I am familiar. I feel that's that's, a fair way to say it.
1: That is a very fair way to say it. A lot of the accusations that come through are of people who are being interviewed after a tragedy. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. And then you'll see blog posts this, you know, did you see the reaction of this father of this slain child? Or did you see the reaction of this person who was supposed to be examining these bodies and how callous they were in their discussion and they were laughing. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of it, uh, I, yeah, a lot of it, at least that I've seen, comes from there.
2: Now, I've I've seen I've seen snippets of that interview, so I I'm familiar with the one you're referring to.
1: Well, there are mul- there are multiples from different tragedies.
2: Ah, uh, okay, multiples from different tragedies, wherein
1: there's like a a, a family member, let's say, of someone uh, who who died, who just seems like maybe they're not mourning as much as they should be, at least according to the the blogs that you'll read.
2: Okay. Okay. Cause I, 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 didn't know if it was the, um, I didn't know if it was, if the U was you in specific or if we're just talking about those general accusations.
1: We're talking about the general accusations. Okay.
2: Well, and to me,
0: it seems like a lot of that can come from this uh, rush to get um, reporting done on these things, whether it's with experts or whether it's with eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. And kind of a comical example of how easily this can happen is uh, on the uh, HLN network. There was a supposed expert uh, talking about Edward Snowden getting a Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And the whole time this this um, uh, anchor, I suppose, is interviewing him. He's describing Edward Scissorhands. Oh wow. And like, he says, quote, casting him out is just completely wrong, just because he was created on top of a mountain by Vincent Price. <laughs> Jeez, that's and, what um, the expert said? That's what the expert said. And he says, um, you know, Edward Snowden, and then he said, you know, it was just, it, it wasn't until he poked a hole in the waterbed with his scissor finger that people started to turn <laughs> on him. And he's saying all these things. And this, uh, this anchor is just smiling and nodding. And it just goes to show that like, I mean, people are pretty easily duped, even like uh, who are thought to be professionals. I can't imagine
1: the person interviewing him or her thinking that, oh, maybe that's just tech, you know, mumbo jumbo that I don't get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> poking yeah. A, poking a hole in the waterbed with the old scissor. Hands. Or maybe yeah.
2: their thoughts were occupied. Maybe, maybe they were aware, but they couldn't, they, they could. It was to too late. Oh that. yeah. Gotcha. I mean, but you have to ask if you were the anchor, I think everybody listeners, you probably agree. If you were the anchor, wouldn't you feel like it's a great opportunity to earn some credibility? By stopping. Anything? Sure. One might think it depends think.
1: in that situation. It depends on when you were born uh, because that there's a, a, a window, a very small window where that movie was highly important. It's true. And I am in that window.
2: You're in that window. Yeah, I'm also well, in that window. We know what you would, you guys would do.
1: Okay. So let's get into a couple specific examples of when crisis actors have been alleged to be mm-hmm. at work. The first one is during the Sandy hook school shooting. In 2012, December 14th, 2012, and the official story is that Adam Lanza, acting alone, went in and killed 26 people, 20 of which were aged six to seven Mm. uh, at the Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. Now, this is by all accounts a, uh, a tragedy, like a horrible thing that occurred. There are a lot of people who say that it didn't actually occur. Um, and that's where these theories start to come in. There are all kinds of theories about what happened that day.
2: Like no one died or that okay died so a different way.
1: There are uh, theories ranging from accusations that Adam Lanza wasn't the actual shooter, mm-hmm. that he was perhaps a scapegoat, or that there were multiple sh- other shooters that were the ones truly doing the killing. Uh, and it ranges all the way to that the military was somehow involved to, uh, and, and really there's, there are so many. If you want to learn more about that stuff, we have a video called Sandy Hook questions, claims and questions. Uh, you can check that out and learn more about the, the overall Sandy Hook conspiracy. Oh,
2: that's true. We did that. Mm-hmm.
1: But, but to get into the crisis actors version of this, what, one of the prominent things people were saying is that the whole thing wasn't real. It was all some kind of staged event where all the teachers and the kids, the parents, even the medical examiner, they're all actors and they're putting on a play Mm -hmm. and essentially a drill that then got filmed by these TV cameras and the TV crews and it got turned into a real event. And a couple of these specific examples within this specific example are uh, one of the fathers of one of the children who died. His name is Robbie Parker. And he gave a press, a press conference, uh, gosh, I think it was on the 15th of December of that year. Mm-hmm. And people, when he first walks out, he's kind of laughing with people that he's talking to before he walks up to the mic and he's smiling. And it, at least according to the blogs, he appears to get into character almost if you're going to be in a performance and then talks about his child, his daughter that just died and. On the surface of it, I have to say personally, I was a bit, I, I felt weird about watching it. It didn't feel right to me, but that does not mean. You mean he, he,
0: he came off disingenuous?
1: It's not that he came off disingenuous. It was just, it, it didn't, it, something didn't feel right didn't to me. Didn't ring true. Just, and, you know. and just because of the way this man is dealing with the trauma of losing his daughter, uh, is different from the way that I would probably deal with it, it doesn't mean that this man is an actor.
0: Not only that, I mean, think about what it would mean to not only go through that trauma, but to have to go through it in the public eye and be propped up for a press conference. I mean, that would require some amount of, quote unquote, getting in character. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine
1: Uh, another person that came under scrutiny while this was all going down, like I mentioned before, is the medical examiner. Mr. Wayne Carver, the second, he also gave an interview to a bunch of press and he was discussing what he found uh, from from when he went through the school, from when he was doing autopsies on some of the victims. And the guy just comes off as extremely callous. It seems like he didn't just experience all of these horrifying things that he just experienced. But. Perhaps, I mean, because of his role of what he does every day, maybe it's maybe he is a bit, uh I don't know, guarded against
0: the emotions of these kind of situations. Well, I mean, you have to be. It's like being a being a detective or being a policeman, a first responder of any kind. Uh, you have to uh, be a little bit not callous, maybe a little bit clinical. You have to kind of like just act and you can't necessarily let the emotions of the situation affect you uh, otherwise you might uh, make a mistake you might not uh, you know do things correctly you might not follow the correct procedures so you have to kind of look at it in a very clinical procedural way but i just have to say
1: again personally when i remember watching this and i watched it again for this podcast there is something off and and it feels just strange uh, when you're watching these some of these interviews
2: so then why couldn't they get better actors? I don't know, Ben. I'm just asking, like if, you know, if it, if it is a matter of salesmanship and deception, wouldn't they go for the cream of the crop or at least someone marginally convincing if that is the case?
1: I, I would tend to agree, Ben, but let's, let's go really quickly. At least let's have a thought experiment about what it would take for you to do this.
4: Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I dot Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply.
3: Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos.
5: Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today.
2: Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada yada yada.
1: That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises.
2: Outsmarting yada yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then... You found yourself subscribed?
0: Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had, like, put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to, like, go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying.
1: Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider.
2: Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises and yada 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 helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most.
0: Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.
3: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. How much money would
1: you have to be offered to do something like that? Go in and pretend on in front of cameras that something awful happened, knowing that it wasn't true, and knowing that you were going to convince the world that it was.
2: So it's interesting that you bring up that point, Matt, because that's something I was alluding to earlier when we talk about the uh, proof as far as, multiple people showing up in the same in different or the same person showing up in multiple disasters, because how reasonable is it to say that there is some vast overarching conspiracy involving hundreds, in some cases, what thousands of people who can all manage to keep a secret and be able to brilliantly execute something like this, despite uh, rough around the edges proof that people believe they have found And then yet still say, we're going to use the same people. Absurd. It's just, it's the, the, the believability factor for that, for that alone is very low to me, just objectively. And if someone can explain to me why there would be such an elaborate, difficult to execute plan that relied on using the same looking people
1: over and over again. You know
2: what I mean? It's like spending. Seven billion dollars on a submarine program getting in the water and saying, do you guys think the screen door is going to be a problem? You know, (laughs) uh, it just doesn't add up.
1: It's, I think the screen door is fine, Ben.
2: But, uh, but you know, I think you do a really good job explaining that Sandy Hook example. And I mean,
0: and the whole time you were doing that, I, I just feel myself, you know, getting, just a little nauseated that, that someone would think that because I just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. And it's such an intensely tragic thing to have happened, especially, you know, if you've got, uh, loved ones who are kids uh, yeah. or kids yourself, just to think that someone really truly believes that that was staged. I just, I just find it, it sort of is a little bit baffling.
1: To well, me. yeah. Can, can you imagine being the, uh, like, being the father that you and I are. Sorry Ben. I Oh, are, I'm I, fine. <laughs> no, you guys, I'm you guys sorry. Can have it.
0: Well, no, I, I guess when you're talking about feeling a little off about the the father's uh, you know, press conference. Again, I just, can you imagine? You'd be losing your mind. You wouldn't know how to act, you know, exactly. and, and you're basically thrust on this podium and told to emote for the cameras. And there's probably so many thoughts going on, so many, uh, kind of, uh, counterintuitive emotions. You're like, you know, on the one hand, you want to honor your child mm-hmm. you, and you want to act as a source uh, of information for people. So there are these like competing motivations mm-hmm. and it would just, you'd get caught up in this maelstrom. And I can't imagine just having to like center yourself and, prepare to do that i mean i would they be acting real real weird what are the effects of shock
1: i just want to make the point that this guy after going through all that then imagine going home and then on your facebook or you know you're getting emails or getting calls like hey we know you're an actor we know what you're doing your daughter never died like that whole other level of going through that i mean what you're describing it's
0: it's on par with holocaust denial to me whoa
2: so the, the other interesting thing here as well is that now it's going to sound like I'm against what you guys are saying, but I want you to explore that feeling right now, that feeling of being profoundly offended and think about how that affects a decision because there is, um, there is a bizarre turn here and we saved it till the end of the episode. Uh, this is just. Imagine the catchphrase if you wish. When people are, uh, when people are acting under the reins of emotion, it's, uh, there, there's this need to strike out against an injustice, right? A need to make the world right again after it was so profoundly skewed. And that's where we get to something that is, that I think is equally disturbing. So we've got the crisis actors that are real, right, that we know about, the ones that are paid, Mm -hmm. right, to say this is what you do if there's a shooter in the office. We have the crisis actors that are alleged, people who travel around in some kind of twisted carnival faking disasters, right, Mm -hmm. according to the people who believe that, say, in the middle there's something that I think is just as disturbing, and it's equally real. Something like crisis actors do exist, and they play a key role in the murky world of propaganda. One of them helped justify U.S. invasion in the Middle East, and her name, when she was giving her testimony, was Nurse Naraya. To justify invasion uh, in Iraq, this uh, this person was talking about Iraqi atrocities, atrocities on the behalf of the Iraqi army. I'll read her quote here. I volunteered at the Al-Adna hospital with 12 other women who wanted to help as well. I was the youngest volunteer. The other women were from 20 to 30 years old. While I was there, I saw the Iraqi soldiers come into the hospital with guns. They took the babies out of the incubators, took the incubators, and left the children to die on the cold floor. Here at the last part, she's crying. It was horrifying. So it turns out uh that... One, she's not a nurse. Nope. Two, uh, she's the daughter of the Kuwaiti ambassador to the U.S. Yep. And that the incubator stuff wasn't true. Uh, it also turns out that she was probably working in concert with a PR group called Hill and Knowlton. And it, although it's not clear right now how much of her testimony is coached, there were, there were some pretty compelling reports that Hill and Knowlton provided witnesses, wrote their testimony, and coached the heck out of them.
1: And here's the other thing. It pretty much worked,
2: didn't it? Well, that's what history would say, because at the time the emotional atmosphere based on this atrocity compelled people to say, you know, it equated saying this story doesn't add up to becoming a fan of pulling children out of incubators and tossing them on hospital floors. Because, yeah. How
1: could you speak against this story when it was happening?
2: Right. Because of this emotional equivalency. Now I, I only say that because it's interesting. And with I, I'm going to go out and say it guys, understanding where what, um, I, I understand the offensive nature of the, the whole theories or the approach people are taking with those theories. And Noel, I'm on board with you. I think that there is a certain amount of offensiveness and just in the lack of empathy or the lack of consideration when people have actually died these events that we're talking about are not uh fort Polk' scenarios Mm-mm. where someone stubs their thumb pretending to be um, a villager right these the people men women and children died in many ways were executed were murdered and to and and there's a very valid argument that to explore those kind of things or to accuse people who somehow survived a tragedy of being charlatans demeans not only them, but degrades the value of the lives lost. I think a, a sort of a
0: slightly less extreme example that's happening right now, uh, can be found in some of the things, um, presidential candidate Donald Trump finds himself saying, you know, describing uh, groups of, um, of of Muslims having tailgate parties, watching the World Trade Centers collapse, completely unverifiable. No one's found any footage of it, but he won't back down from it. And it's just a way of dividing people. And um, it's something that people who share his perspective, perhaps, um, can latch onto and use it to fuel their anger. And I think a lot of these uh, alleged... Um, uh, incidents of uh, crisis actors could be intended to do the same thing. And like what you're talking about with uh nurse, nurse Naraya. yeah, with yeah. nurse Naraya, um clearly an attempt to shift public opinion and that can be done in small and large ways. And I think, you know, Trump is a good example of a bit of a, Propaganda machine, you know. I mean, a lot of the things he says oh, yeah. can't be verified.
2: We've heard some great, you now not to get too political, but we have heard some fa- fantastic and fascinating conspiracy theories, specifically about Donald Trump, yeah. uh, and specifically, you know, about well, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton as well. All I was going to say pretty much players. all of them, <laughs> and we have a pretty, I, we have a pretty compelling episode about the Federal Election Commission, which. Goes a long way, and I personally believe that one, which goes a long way toward explaining why uh it's so difficult to wrest control from the the dichotomy of the two party system
1: yeah, third parties have no chance basically when it comes to getting time on television
2: with debates yeah it's uh it's it's tough, but you can you can watch that video. The only drawback to that video, I would say is that Noel's not in it,
1: yeah, it's just you and I that's a bummer one day
2: oh, I'm okay with that oh, oh yeah whatever no we did a great job have you seen it we we both we take sides campaigning no as, oh yeah. no
0: no I need to dig into the back catalog it would have
2: been good because yeah. then we could have done a real third party sure thing, it would have you know been really
0: I mean? good if I would remembered
1: a red tie because in the video we were both wearing blue ties and I feel like oh uh, yeah that was a bad move Matt
2: at the time I think I only owned one tie Wow. No, wait, that's not true. I have two ties. One is black. That's the only kind I have. I guess we're just not really talking about the issues anymore. I'm sorry guys. I didn't I was, uh, realize. I watched a great
0: episode of Futurama last night where it was about a presidential election for president of the world and all three candidates were clones and they were wearing the same exact outfit, had the same exact voice and all had the pretty much same exact opinions, only just ever so slightly tweaked. Mm-hmm. And then the third party candidate was, uh, robot Richard Nixon, <laughs> um, with, uh, he had stolen Bender's
2: body. Um, oh, but, just, uh, yeah. Just one thing that reminds me absolutely of a great, uh, a great book, which I recommend called the Illuminatus Trilogy. Have you guys heard about this? Oh
0: yes. A friend of mine just turned me on to it and, um, I, I've been meaning to, uh, to really dig into it.
2: So it's, uh, it's pretty darn good written by a guy named Robert Shea, a guy named Robert Anton Wilson, which a lot of, uh, you guys out there listeners will already recognize that second name. But I, I mentioned this because there's a part in that, uh, there's a part in that book where they're describing leaders of the world and it doesn't happen consecutively. There will be one leader who's like the president of the United States. One leader is a president of somewhere else, whatever. Mm-hmm. And what they did that was so clever is they take the same exact paragraph and they change it so that you know it's about the one person. And then it just occurs in the book. And I thought, wow. I thought it was brilliant. Plus, you know, it saves time on writing, but, uh,
1: <laughs> isn't that the, didn't that? Inspire the Illuminati, the game I I feel like that's been around like, heard for a, that before. For a for sure. yeah,
2: I could see them being tied together. that's cool uh, but no no spoilers for anyone who wants to read it. Uh, do check it out. I know it looks like a hefty tome, but it's a pretty it, it's a pretty fast read too.
0: well, if you guys don't have anything else, I feel like we should maybe do some listener mail yeah So this one is from Melissa. Uh, hi, guys. I love the show. But lately, you keep doing that thing where you pose questions that you don't answer. On the Ghost Podcast, you all discuss whether Christians believe in ghosts but didn't have any information on it. It drives me crazy, and you guys have been so good about it so far. Maybe you could try to keep track of when that happens and add an extra section at the end after you've checked it out. Um That is all on me. Uh I, Lately, I feel like I have just been willy-nilly posing questions that just – pop into my head and sometimes we do get away from the answers Uh, I i do think though that matt had a good point about whether christians believe in ghosts or not and simply because of you know the fact that they have the holy ghost and the holy trinity and the idea of the afterlife feels like they'd be more prone to believe in ghosts and that is kind of where we left it but probably a little more research into that would be appropriate
2: any question is, uh, any question worth asking is worth finding an answer to. That's my response on it. And I'm, I'm excited about the idea of setting up something, a segment wherein we could address things like that, um, maybe beyond listener mail, but the only way to know that is for, uh, is for listeners to respond, uh, like you just did, Melissa. And, uh, we appreciate it and we certainly appreciate your time listening to the show. No promises, of course, because this show is a work in progress. But uh we're going to keep an eye on that. And thank you again for writing. Uh, does anybody else have listener mail? Really
1: fast, I want to jump in and say thanks to Edward for sending sending over a killer track. It was awesome. He was responding to you, Noel, about the Guidestones documentary that you made. And he sent over a track called Encounter at Rua in 1994. It was great. I loved it. Have you not heard this yet? I've not heard this yet. Oh man. All right. Well Can we play I, it on the podcast? I don't know if there's any copyrighted stuff in there. I think he Is said this something that he made? He made it, but he sampled uh some flute that I I don't know. So, Edward, you'll have to get back to us and then maybe we can play it. Edward,
0: later. I'm sorry I didn't hear that. I will definitely uh go digging through the uh the old inbox and and uh you know listen give that one a listen. So thanks for listening and thanks for responding. I'm glad you like the guidestones doc.
1: So if you want to join in in this conversation and all the conversations that we have here into the future, you can contact us. We are all over the Internet. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. Conspiracy stuff at both of those. You, uh, you can just send us your suggestions. Most of our best suggestions come from you guys. And uh, we really like hearing from you. We like hearing feedback. We like to know what you think. So please hit us up. Talk to us. Hang out with us there.
0: And if you don't want to mess with any of the uh, social media stuff, you can just send us a good old fashioned electronic message
2: at conspiracy at For more
0: on this topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at conspiracy stuff.